Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I'm Josiah Kane. I'm Chuck Jones. And uh, if you tuned in last week, you would know that this week we're talking about our words and our tongue and trying to control those things, which uh, is historically very difficult. Very difficult. Um, I think this week I'm going to jump straight into... Uh, some Bible verses. Unless there's something you wanted to say before we did that. No. I'm going to jump straight into James chapter 3. Because he just, uh, I think James really says a lot of really important things here and he says it very clearly. So, James chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren. Knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever their inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members, as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful one. You too. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does the fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So James just said a lot of things. But uh, something he really, something that really sticks out to me in this passage is how he says, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Mature mature he is a man of wisdom he is a, he is a man of discipline and if he can control his tongue he's able to to control the rest of himself as mm-hmm. well yeah if he can control what he says then his character shouldn't be brought into question mm. we uh get a really clear image here of what the tongue and what our words are capable of. We can use it to do great things like bless our Lord and Father. We can we can bless God with our tongues, but we can also use it to destroy people. We can it's a compared to a fire. Yeah, I got a note here in verse five. Most great things Mega boast. 
to wound or provoke others. That's why they that's why people boast. To make somebody feel bad or to provoke them into a fight. Do you think um, James is trying to do something funny here where he says a perfect man is able to tame his tongue but then he also says in verse 8 no one can tame the tongue? Do you think he's saying that? No one's mature. <laughs> well, he, he does use the same word back uh, in chapter 1 like verse 3, 4 verse 4 let patience have its perfect work mm-hmm. that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing and so it's like the combining these two that you know why we say things without thinking is because we're not exercising patience and that's when we get into trouble by the things that we say because we're not being patient yeah and maybe James is just confessing something here (laughs) potentially I just think how there's a lot of implications in what he's saying I would agree with you so he's saying that a fountain can't send out fresh and bitter water kind of the implication here is out of our mouths can't come good and bad things or I, I kind of reminds me of uh, out of the well of our heart or out of our heart come the words of our mouth mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the source of our words doesn't really change it's what comes out of our mouths is kind of just the reflection of what's actually inside of us Exactly, exactly, Josiah. And if we want to change that, we have to be transformed from the inside. Yep. Something has to change at the source. Uh, well, you can uh, could say nice things about people, mm-hmm. but is that just flattery? It's just flavored bitter water. <laughs> yeah. Mixed with something else, and so it, it's no. in uh, Proverbs talks about flattery. In a negative sort of way, mm-hmm. trying to get power over somebody else by buttering them up. Yep, kind of manipulation. Exactly, manipulative. Kind of talks about um, our tongues as a rudder of a ship, or <clears throat> yeah, it talks about our tongues as a rudder, of, rudder of a ship, kind of this small part of our body that is able to drive the direction of our lives Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of wisdom (laughs) and uh, I've seen this in life practice I've seen it from observation of other people that it's really easy to do a lot of damage and steer yourself in a bad direction with very few words it doesn't take much torquing of the tongue rudder to really steer you off course and there's a yeah there's a lot of times I've seen it 
get myself into trouble things you can't take backwards no like a tube of toothpaste put it back in you can squeeze it out but you can't put them back in that's right well you brag about something <coughs> and that's going to get you in trouble <coughs> unless you're bragging about God hmm. that's the only thing we should boast about that's right what have I got to, to brag about there is anything that's worthy of bragging God's given it to me mm-hmm I was going back to the Old Testament if that's all right let's do it Psalm 15 oh, the Bible readings this week trying to bring David into this um, I don't know if he wrote this one or not no Psalm 15 kind of a familiar psalm. Who will abide in your tabernacle, O Lord? Who will dwell in your holy hill? He just goes on and makes a list of qualities, characteristics of a person. Well, he who does not, this is verse 3, Psalm 15, 3, he who does not backbite with his tongue, yeah, the NASB says slander. Whoa, whoa. Well, backbite, backbite. <laughs> yeah, well, it's to maliciously defame the absent. Mm. Maliciously defame. Yours says slander. Mm-hmm. Talking about somebody in a nasty way when they're not around. Verse 2 at the end of it says, or at least the NASB says, who speaks truth in his heart. Kind of this... What you were talking about. Where does it come from? Yeah, exactly. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks, Jesus said. So, if you hear your words, and they sound like nasty, if they sound nasty... Maybe you should check where they're coming from. Yeah. Right. Which I don't think is a reminder to anybody specifically, but more of just to the human race. I think yeah. we all have that, I don't know, kind of like a re- constant renewal where we uh, need to purify our inner well, you know, through... Uh, repentance and forgiveness through Bible reading and study through prayer um, through miraculous works of God what's it what is it that keeps a swimming pool from turning green a lot of chemicals constant care right you Mm -hmm. check it see what add what needs to be and it's the same thing with us in our heart yeah neglect very quickly turns into a nasty situation Uh uh-huh Well, there's, uh, in Proverbs, you can't go far in Proverbs without finding something like this. Proverbs 6. In Proverbs 6, there's a list of, oh, 
let's see, starting with verse 17. 16. There's six things the Lord hates. Is that clear? Mm. You need that to be defined, <laughs> expounded. If it says God doesn't like it, it's clear. Okay. <laughs> There's six things the Lord hates, and seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. The backbiter. There you are. Mm -hmm. There's six things, seven things are an abomination. And in that list are at least two that point to what our tongue does. Mm -hmm. Seems like it should be serious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah. No. No. It's not that lighthearted with God. Yeah. Reference back to James it says that if two different things are coming out of our mouths it shouldn't be this way. It, it that ought not to be so. Yeah. That we need to have it being consistent with our with our lives. Um, there's another uh, proverb 11.9 that says with his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. I mean they're everywhere in Proverbs. Yeah they are. It's like uh, you read through Proverbs and you want to read about our language, the things we say, or our generosity. From the beginning to the end, it's there. <coughs> so I was thinking about this <coughs> speaking business and what Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty-six. I believe that's the one. Yeah, and here he's talking about what you had brought up. Starting with verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is due, known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man. Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I'm telling you this, in verse 36, hmm. that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account for it in the, time, in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be judged, justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And it's interesting here that uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And then it also says in James, right before it talks about our words, it says leaders should be very careful about what they say because they're going to be doubly accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that should also kind of resonate with all Christians because whether we like it or not if someone knows we're a Christian we are representing God yep. when we do or say anything 
were kind of these ambassadors going around saying, hey, I worship this God. I represent this God. And so in a sense, we all are accountable, highly accountable for what we say and do because what we say and do reflects, Mm -hmm. yeah. Representation. Oh, you're a Christian? I don't want to be like you guys. This is how you talk, but this is what you do. Well, I, I got a friend in California who publicly said, I don't want to be called a Christian. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because I've seen too many people who say they're Christian, and I don't want to be lumped in with them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel that way. I see people who say they're Christians doing some pretty terrible things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to go back to Proverbs again. Let's do it. I have some more we can look at as well. This is uh, a proverb that has struck me deeply. Proverbs twelve, eighteen. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Mm. There was a time in my life when I could, I had that, those piercing words. Oh dear, yes, and I could just lay them out like, shoot them actually, like an expert. <laughs> nothing to be proud of but it pierces to the heart yeah and break somebody's heart by what you say mm-hmm. it's a weapon yeah six and stones may break my bones but word will never words will never hurt me that's that's baloney yeah it's false it's like the Italians have a word for that yeah <laughs> it's baloney yeah I like a, a Proverbs 11 12 that says he who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. It's better to be not saying anything than saying something wrong or improperly or mean. Um, well, it goes back to the patience thing, I think. I have to say something to get control of this situation. Oh, Mm-hmm. Why is your control of this situation so important? I think in most conversations you're waiting for an opportunity to say what you think instead of actually listening. Oh, yes. And that uh, that doesn't help anyone. And in fact, James says... Listening to respond. Yep. Rather than listening to understand. Yeah, and, and James warns us, you need to be slow to speak, <laughs> slow to anger, and quick to listen. Quick to listen. Yeah. If you say fewer words, most of the time, that's going to be better for you. If yes. you if you really think about what you're going to say. That's right, Josiah. Look at uh, Proverbs 15, verse 1. 15, 1? Yeah. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The, t- the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fool spouts folly. <laughs> spouts? Yep. A little fountain of foolishness. <laughs> um, 
And let's keep reading verses 3 and 4. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. It's just kind of interesting how he ties in our words with God's knowledge of watching our, our, every evil and good thing happen. He's, he's there. And with it, we can, with our words, we can be acceptable and wise in the eyes of God. Or we can crush people. We can, we can do a lot of damage. Stir up anger and yeah. cause wrath. I guess while we're in Proverbs, let's just keep reading what I, what I have here. <laughs> Proverbs sixteen twenty four. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. In a world where they don't have uh, artificial sweeteners mm-hmm. and refined sugar cane, honeycomb was about as sweet as it got. Yeah. And, I mean, it just... It says it right there. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. They're sweet. Wouldn't you rather listen, have a conversation with somebody that had sweet words? Hmm. What do you think uh, Proverbs 18.4 means? The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. I think when I read this, I think about the difference between a fresh bubbling brook and a deep well that takes a lot of work. I think um, I think this is talking about how a wise person draws out or is able to make his words acceptable or able to use his words in a functional way. So like, there's a lot that could be said. It's kind of like this deep well, it's this deep water. There's a lot of words that can be said, but the wise man is like a bubbling brook. It's right on the surface. It's fresh. It's cool. It's clean. And you don't have to dig for it. You don't have to work hard for it. It's just this refreshing source of water. And I think that's at least a little bit of what I'm getting here. Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell what it all is behind the words that come from someone's mouth. Well, you know, especially in disagreements or debates. It's a deep well, but the wisdom, wellspring of wisdom, is like you said, a bubbling brook. It's right there, mm-hmm. easy to get at. Mm-hmm. There's no misunderstanding. That's what I'm thinking. Mm. Like verse six, a fool's lips enter into contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his mouth calls for blows. <laughs> Come here and beat me up. Slap me. Why don't you read 1820 while you're there? Okay. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. That's a pretty good verse too. Yeah. They're all good. 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Kind of that live by the sword, die by the sword type of mentality. Your your words can be good fruit or bad fruit. 
and whatever it is, you're going to eat from it. Yep. That's right. Are you a verbal bully? Mm. You will be verbally bullied. I got two more here for us. Okay. Proverbs 20.15 says, There is gold and abundance of jewels, but the lips of knowledge are more precious thing. I think that just goes so far to show you how important and valuable. Yes, the things that you say are. And uh, I have 25.18 as well. Okay, 25.18, here we come. Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Talking about um, using your words poorly, they can become these weapons. It's uh, when we're lying and deceiving, yep. they become like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow. They aren't just these light, fluffy, cloud-like things with no consequences. They are they're tools. Words are tools, just like we talked about money last week being yep. a tool. Our words can be a tool for good and for evil. Exactly. So how do you think we, or first of all, I guess I'll ask you, uh, is there anything else you had in your notes? Anything else you wanted to... Oh, well, we've gotten to the point where words are like weapons. You know, and there was Psalm 63. David's talking about they sharpen their tongues. So it is a weapon, and we need to understand that. You could carry a gun around with you in Michigan, most places, but that's a deadly weapon. You want to know how to control it. Mm -hmm. And I think the government wants you to know how to control it before they let you carry it anywhere you want. Yeah. How do, we th how do you gain control over your tongue? How do you change its source so that it actually speaks good things and not evil things? How do we, how do we seek out this, these wise words, these words of knowledge and righteousness? Well, the uneasy answer is change of heart. I don't think that's something that we can do. Not by ourselves, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what we need. It's uh, a new nature. I uh, have kind of a real-life analogy for this. I grew up in a little town in Ohio called Lawrenceville, and it used to be its own city, and it had its own water, well water uh, system that was just super filled with iron, and it was nasty tasting, and all of your white clothes turned orange when you washed them. We uh, had a Baptist tree in the church when I was in Lawrenceville, and you would fill it full of water on like Saturday night for the baptism in the morning. And then when you got in there in the morning, there'd be a, a thin orange layer on the bottom that when you stepped in there, it would kick it up. <laughs> it was no joke, that much iron was in the, our water. Um, and my friends and I, we used to play games and the punishment would have to drink a cup of this water. 
Like, if you lost, that was your punishment. It was nasty. It was safe to drink. Like, it wasn't going to oh, hurt yeah. you. But it was just terribly, terribly uh, unsavory. Could you smelt the water? <laughs> <clears throat> no matter how much we treated this water, we had a water softener, we had iron filters, no matter how much we treated this water, it still came out of the faucet nasty. And the only thing that fixed it was changing our source. Eventually, Lawrenceville got hooked up to city water where they have the big treatment plants. It's, yeah. And from that point on, we didn't have any troubles. And so I think that if we want the words of our lives to look different, we have to change our source because there's no amount of our own processing or treatment that's going to fix those words no. if the source is bad. No, you're right. You're right. And I think that source is a is a God and us thing where we open ourselves up to being changed. We allow ourselves to be shaped by God and his words and we have to have the humility to accept those changes in our lives and the the unright attitude of maybe we aren't who we should be. Right. Yeah. So here's another proverb from chapter 26, verse 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no tail-bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tail bearer are like tasty trifles and they go down to the innermost body. You got some juicy gossip? Yeah, the NSB says a whisperer. Yeah, there, where there is no whisperer, contentious uh, quiets down, contention quiets down. Kind of this, if you remove this this bad gossip, as mm. you're saying, this, these bad words, things seem to calm down. down. Yeah. You can look, at, I guess, at the political landscape and, and agree with it. You have billows on your Fire. So I do have a forge. It doesn't have billows, but it has air openings in the back, and as the gas passes through it, it sucks in air. So, so that it's a, a gas forge? Yep, gas forge. has to have enough air to burn really hot, and it sucks that in. Yeah. If I removed that air, though, if I covered those holes on the top, the fire would go out. Ooh. Or if I cut the gas off. One or the other. Yep. So is there anything else that you feel like we need to, uh, or you wanted to say before we close out this topic? No, I think I think we've exercised our tongues well enough. <laughs> and obviously a little bit of what we're saying here is hypocrisy because we don't have perfect oh, control no. over our tongues. I can think of maybe five times in the last day where I said something that I probably shouldn't have or wish I could have done things differently but that's the reality of things and we are going to make mistakes and we are going to 
and we are going to say things we shouldn't. And we're going to have to ask forgiveness for those things. It's a, yeah. it's, a part of our, it's a part of our Christian life to continually be recognizing our wrongs and asking for God to, or asking for re, or repenting of those things. Which is actually what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to be talking about forgiveness and repentance and uh, what that looks like in our lives. Okay. So if you're interested in that topic, make sure to to tune in next week. I'll be here. (laughs) I hope. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Breakfast Theology. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Feel free to get a hold of us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. And uh, we will... Uh, Get back to you guys on the podcast. Yeah. Until next time. Bye. Goodbye.